Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with the director of the Mississippi Museum of Art, Betsy Bradley. She is also the recipient of this year's Governor's Arts Award for Leadership in Visual Arts and Community. The 2023 Governor's Arts Awards will be held on Thursday, February 2nd at 6 p.m. at the two Mississippi Museums in Jackson. The ceremony is free and open to the public, but there is limited space, so come early if you want to join us. Betsy, congratulations on your award, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Leslie. It really means a lot to me. We just have so much to talk about. We do. I mean, you used to be at Mac, and so this is. I feel like this is a great full circle moment. Um, but before really we get is. to that... I read about where you grew up. You grew up in Greenville. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, maybe how the arts influenced your life really early on. You know, Greenville was a very special place to grow up. Mm-hmm. And I think um, from from a very early age, I had a sense that there was, as you, Dora Welty called it, a sense of place there. Mm-hmm. Often it was informed by the river, um, being right on the river by the cotton industry uh, that, you know, the landscape that's just so dramatically flat. It really was um, and continues to be a source of comfort for me to drive through that landscape. In high school and in other parts of my education, I was really fortunate to have teachers that focused on the art forms that had come from Mississippi. Mm. And so I I had a class on Mississippi writers, and I loved that, knowing that the place I was growing up had produced so many important voices mm. in American literature. And I took art lessons. It was just It was just a rich place like that. Greenville is and was a place where people feel compelled to travel and to learn and come back and have rich conversations with each other. They they love to sit down over a good meal and talk about what they're learning and reading and thinking about. And of course, when I got to be older, I learned more about the parts of Greenville and the Delta and the art forms like the blues music Mm. that came from there that stemmed from very, very different experiences than I had growing up, but that made it even richer uh, of a place to call home and to really be inspired by as Mm. I continue my life. You talk about, you know, studying Mississippi writers really early Mm -hmm. on. Were there any that really spoke to you personally at a young age? 
Well, I, you know, Eudora Welty, I think, speaks to all of us um, in so many ways. And so her voice was really important and accessible. You know, um, I loved Walker Percy and mm. I loved William Alexander Percy, his poetry, as well as his memoir. And um, that family has been such an influential family in the arts and letters and in the culture that um, I loved reading uh, firsthand from them, you know, what inspired them to make that place their home in such a rich place. You know, I could go on and on, I think, about There's Ellen so Douglas, mm-hmm. you know, Josephine Haxton. Ellen Douglas was living in Greenville mm-hmm. at the time I was growing up. And wow, you know, her novels are some of the most powerful that I've read, even to this day. You know, you mentioned a couple of things that I think are just so part of our fabric here in Mississippi, the sharing the meals with each other and the conversation, which inevitably leads to sharing stories, which leads to great writing. So it's just all so connected. And I just love talking about that. Um, When did you make your way to Jackson? I decided to attend Millsaps College. And so I registered for for college and have never lived again in the Delta, but have maintained deep ties. Mm. My family lived there until just a couple of years ago. Um, So, but when I did come to Millsaps, I fell in love with the central part of the state Mm. and um, went off to graduate school, but ended up coming back here. Where was graduate school? It was also in the South. It was in Nashville at Vanderbilt University. What did you study at Vanderbilt? I actually studied literature, English literature. Mm -hmm. That was what I thought I would be. I had such wonderful professors and teachers when I studied literature as a high school student undergraduate. I wanted to have that same kind of impact on people's lives. And I did teach for a while and have continued to teach off and on and certainly continue to go to poetry and literature mm-hmm. for my own replenishment and nourishment. So I don't regret any of that. Mm-hmm. And I had a wonderful experience at both Millsaps and Vanderbilt. Did you teach at Millsaps for a while? I, I believe did. I read that. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And I I feel like education is so important in so much of the work that you have done and still do that it, it all just makes so much sense together. Well, thank you. It does, you know, I'm a big fan of Catherine Bateson, Mary Catherine Bateson's book, Composing a Life. And Mm -hmm. she talks a lot about how women improvise their lives in a way that makes sense kind of when you stop Mm -hmm. and reflect, but you wouldn't have charted it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so I do think I've been really fortunate to have mentors and opportunities that have opened um, places for me to to do work that is meaningful. And, and part of that work was at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Yes. Um, I, I hate that I didn't get to work you, with you there, but I've, I hear your name so much, and my coworkers love working with you through the museum and so on. And so I just want to hear about your time at Mac for a little while. You, How did you get there, and what did you do? Well, I actually left academia and, and went to the Mississippi Museum mm-hmm. of Art to do art education, mm-hmm. which I loved. And then I'd been there for a few years when there was an opening at the Arts Commission 
for community-based arts development. Close it wasn't called yes. that then. <laughs> but um, I seized the opportunity to apply for that. I really wanted to work for Jane Hyatt. She mm-hmm. was somebody I admired a great deal. Was and she the director? The she time? was the director at the time and um, has continued to be a mentor to me. She taught me so much about being accountable to the public, mm-hmm. how there are resources and depth of expressions in every Mississippi community, and it's just a matter of of pairing them with other resources mm-hmm. and partners and really finding the artists who are already there mm. and um, really just showcasing them and and giving them opportunities uh, in their communities and, and further afar. So um, I really loved learning from her. Mm. I loved my travel in that job because I went to take places tiny and large in Mississippi. The diversity of the landscapes and the people is still inspirational to me. It got me out of my kind of Jackson capital city bias and Mm. made me understand um, really how much volunteer work, how much artistic production occurs in unexpected places. And then I went on to become the deputy director. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot about state government (laughs) and how it works. (laughs) And I really learned, uh, enjoyed learning those kind of operational skills that are needed to to run an organization. And then I was lucky enough to succeed Jane when she retired as the executive director, which I was for about six years. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I'm talking with Betsy Bradley, director of the Mississippi Museum of Art. And I love hearing about your time at MAC because you sum up so well, like the my favorite parts <laughs> of what we do, which is travel. We're doing a lot of traveling right now because we're gearing up for grant season. But the best part of what we do is being able to see the art throughout the state. Like you said, so many things, so many organizations, projects, you name it, volunteer run or, you know, maybe part-time staff or whatever. But there's just brilliant things happening because passionate people care enough to do them. So I, I'm curious, were there any, I'm, I know there are a million, but I have to ask, were there any projects or just places that you really kind of fell in love with or remember from your time? Well, I don't think I can ever understand under state the impact that Patty Crosby and Cultural Crossroads Mm. from Port Gibson had on me. Um, Patty was raising her children in Mississippi at the time and was a transplant from the Mm. Midwest, but she really found ways to bring black and white people together to make art together Mm to share their experiences and their passions about art, to perform together, to tell each other stories, to, um, I mean, the the quilt-making traditions Mm. that she found as she was going through the county, but also that she nurtured, Mm. were really amazing. And I just... 
that kind of um, commitment, energy, intelligence mm. that she used in building that organization were really inspirational to me. So um, a very poor community, Port Gibson was at the time, but one of the richest in cultural production that I ever saw. Uh, I think that's really something that continues to influence me. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because, so our folk and traditional life director, Maria Zarang, was just, I mean, she still works with the Crosbys so much, you know, I don't know them yeah. personally, but they are, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but if people follow what's going on with folk life, they'll see this. They are working on publishing the archived issues of, I believe it was called I Ain't Lion that yes. they did in yes. Parkinson. I didn't want to get that wrong. But um, I believe that was a publication they did with young people. That's right. right. So soon people will be able to access oh, that's great. those writings through the Mississippi Arts Commission's Mississippi Folk Life publication online. Which is really wonderful. You know, one other thing that they did was uh, they brought a touring theater company. Was it Cornerstone Theater? I think it was Cornerstone Theater, yeah. I'm a big fan of their work, and I was just reading about them. Yeah, so they brought Cornerstone to Port Gibson to produce uh, Romeo and Juliet Mm. with local local people and there are a couple of stories about that I'll never forget one is that the young black man who was cast as Romeo couldn't read at the Mm -hmm. time he was in I mean he could read but he was not doing well enough to um, to pass his courses but it really was learning Shakespeare Mm. that helped him to succeed and to grow and then the the woman who played Juliet was Amy Brenneman, who is now, as Mm -hmm. we all know, a a well-known television actor. Uh, But they did um, create these differences in that the Capulets were white people and the Montagues were black Mm -hmm. people from the community. And they brought people together. This was in the late 80s, I believe, that would have never been in a space together, much less be producing a play in theater together. And so it was really courageous work mm. that they did, and the impact, I'm sure, is continuing to benefit that community. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with this year's Governor's Arts Award recipient for Leadership in Visual Arts and Community, Betsy Bradley. So, Betsy, you've been telling us all these great stories about your work at the Mississippi Arts Commission, um, which I just love hearing some of that, you know, history that I still see developing over time. People are still doing the work. Um, I want to know about how you got to the Mississippi Museum of Art. Well, I had worked there earlier as the education director, and they were they were at a transition where the the my predecessor left and I just got a call and I got mm-hmm. a call from Jane Hyatt and I always you know followed her advice but she was on the museum board at the time and mm-hmm. and part of the search committee and and actually serving as interim director and so she asked me to apply and the more I thought about it my family was growing and I thought you know being settled in one place would be exciting but also I had been advising organizations about how to run their operations and I thought I really need to see if I can do this myself (laughs) and so I knew it was a steep learning curve because Mm -hmm. I'm not a curator and I didn't have a degree in art history so I could surround myself with those those people with that expertise and I just I just tried it, and it's been a great run. It really has. It, it worked, apparently, because you're still there, and you're still doing such wonderful work. Um, you know, I, I was reading about some of – I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the museum, and, I, you know, anybody who's visited, just see how beautiful it is. And um, and I grew up here. I grew up in Clinton and, and have seen the changes over the, the time. And um, I read about an exhibit you did – about Freedom Summer, is that right? And that you were, yeah. or an article where you talked about that. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because that seemed a really significant one for you. It was. It really, it had such an impact, um, not only on me, but on the entire community at the museum that we really started working a little bit in a new direction, I guess. So, uh, a native Mississippian, Eric Etheridge, mm-hmm. who is a photographer, lives in New York, came to us with an idea um, as we were approaching the 50th anniversary of, I think it's 327 freedom riders getting arrested in Jackson. And they got arrested where the planetarium is mm-hmm. right now, so very close to really? the existing yes. museum. And he was working with a committee on staging a reunion for those people. He had also been doing research when the Sovereignty Commission files were opened and found the mugshots of all of these freedom riders who got arrested. And so the exhibition he proposed was to install all of those mugshots and then accompany those with current black and white photographic portraits. And so we mounted that exhibition under his guidance, and I participated on the reunion committee. One of my goals was that I was determined that these people who came back to Jackson 50 years later after having been sent 
to Parchman was that they make new memories of this place and that there be some measure of healing and some some meaning about reconnection with a place that has made progress, not enough, but to be welcomed in a very, very have a very, very different reception than they had in 1961. So have, staging that reunion and having receptions at the museum and programs right outside of the museum and being in partnership with uh, civil rights veterans whom I admire so much uh, made me see that we could have a different kind of impact than just connecting people with great art, even though that's still our mission. Mm. It is what can we do that really uses art to bring people together to make new relationships, to build community, and to deepen understanding of each other's stories mm. and lives. And so we continued down that path. Two years later, the Medgar Evers family was commemorating the 50th anniversary mm -hmm. of his assassination in Jackson, and they asked us to be the place where their portraits were unveiled and to participate in the commissioning mm -hmm. of those portraits. The You have to understand, the two museums, the two history museums, were not yet open. And so we were really honored by that, and we worked closely with the Evers family. And then in 2014 was the 50th anniversary of Freedom Summer, and Freedom Summer volunteers came back to have a reunion, and we staged an exhibition of photographs taken by activist photographers and also an exhibition of Norman Rockwell's painting called Murder in Mississippi, which depict, depicts the murder of um, James Cheney, mm -hmm. Mickey Schwerner, and Andrew Gibson in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And that, their family members came. Uh, people mm -hmm. from all over the country came, stood and sang freedom songs together. And Wow. It was life-changing to me, wow. but also made the museum recognize that this work is central to our identity and to who we are in our community. I, all of that is so incredible. I just, you know, and it is such um, just a testimony to how art really does heal, like you said, and it really is more than than I don't ever want to say just art because art is so much but there's so much responsibility to dealing with the type of you know exhibit you're talking about and just um a different kind of work that goes with it right um but you know talking about that you mentioned the mission um I read that you recently changed your mission, not recently, 2019, I believe mm -hmm. it was. And talking about what that is, I'm just I'm going to read it because I think it's so beautiful. 
to connect Mississippi to the world and the power of art to the power of community. So can you just tell us a little bit about what that means to you? Well, connect really is such an active Mm -hmm. verb, and it's exactly what we hope happens at the museum. When I got to the museum in 2001, the museum's mission statement was to collect, preserve, exhibit art from around the world with a special focus on art of the American South, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we were in a strategic planning process, and I said, where's the human being in this mission statement? And so that that was an early time to change a mission statement as we did, to include the word engage. Mm-hmm. Our mission simply became to engage Mississippians with visual art. Is that the mission now? Or, no. Or, no, it's still, it's, gotcha. So we yeah. changed, as you noted, in yes. 2019, yes. we went further. But engagement, connection, um, really piercing to the heart of a human soul and in a way that happens when mm-hmm. great art is part of your life, and it doesn't have to be visual art. As you know, it can be uh, music, theater, dance, Mm. uh, poetry. So connecting is very important. We want to be a place of connection, Mm. and we just feel like if if you bring a a physical location and great works of art and humans together, that real power happens. And that power of generated by those three components Mm. can really shape community. Mm. And there are so many ways I know that the museum works through programming to connect with the community um, through education, through the CAPE program, through everything. Could you just tell us a little bit about your programs that are current at the museum right now? Yeah, we, um, we're we kind of focusing on three areas where we feel like we can contribute. And the first is art and wellness, mm. where we bring art, we employ art therapists to work with people living with dementia or Alzheimer's and their caregivers. We have um, a creative healing study, studio that is for people living with cancer. Mm. And other kinds of ways that we support wellness activity, whether it's programming in the garden, because Mm. Southerners love to be outside and we love natural beauty, um, where you're having yoga in the garden. So really kind of generating that sense of the whole human being and, Mm. and how art can be part of making us stronger. Then... Art and learning, of course, is is essential to what we do mm-hmm. through exhibitions, through teaching about our collection, work in schools, K through 12 schools. And also we have a very robust and strong academic affairs program with in partnership with the colleges mm-hmm. and uh, recent graduates of college. We're trying to build a workforce of museum workers in Mississippi because there are no museum studies programs in Mississippi, and we want to. We don't want to keep having to recruit everyone from out mm-hmm. of state, and that's been really successful. And then finally, really about community and placemaking and um, building a robust structure uh, that generates activity downtown, 
that sends work out into different neighborhoods and communities and brings tourists here, but also changes the perception of Mississippi by the exhibitions Mm -hmm. that we send out across the country. We're going to talk a lot about one of those that changes the perception. I, you know, the Great Migration exhibit that you recently did a movement in all di- movement in every direction. I want to say that right. Such an incredible exhibit. I just saw a famous actor that I follow on Instagram posting about that exhibit in Baltimore. That's so terrific. I know. So it is happening. It is. You know, we can see that happening before we jump into that, because we're definitely going to talk a lot about that one. um, What what the people can people expect if they visit the museum and the permanent collection and the art garden? Tell us about those things. The permanent collection uh, is is up in the main galleries as you walk into the museum. You know, when we opened that building in 2007, we had a new opportunity to showcase our permanent collection and tell stories about Mississippi in an ongoing way and also have changing exhibitions. So we had an exhibition called The Mississippi Story up for the first 10 years. We were in that building. It was curated by Patty Carr Black, who is a beloved and brilliant a scholar who ran the uh, history museums for a long time during her career. And we opened right before COVID a reinstallation of those galleries in an exhibition that is inspired by a poem by Margaret Walker. So the poem is called, um, This is My Century, Black Synthesis of Time. Mm. And so the exhibition is taken from another line from that poem. It's called New Symphony of Time. And it traces themes that show up in that poem. It's not about the poem, but the poem is about life in Mississippi and its relationship to the world. And so there are themes about migration and ancestry and home building, identity and humanity, and our relationship with the land Mm. uh, that really are brought forth through some great works of art that we've that we've collected over the years this is leslie barker thanks for listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour the show airs on mpb think radio every sunday afternoon at five to access all of our past shows subscribe to the mississippi arts hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I'm talking with the director of the Mississippi Museum of Art, Betsy Bradley. So, Betsy, I want to jump into talking about a recent exhibition. We mentioned it just a little bit before, but a movement in every direction. Um, I'm just going to let you talk about it however you want to. <laughs> oh, well, okay. It, um, it, it's been a really important year and experience with this exhibition. It came about because a former colleague of mine and I were in conversation. We actually were at the Ford Foundation meeting with the president, Darren Walker, and he said, you come back to me with a great idea. And she made the point that while we know so much about how music traveled across this country Mm -hmm. during the Great Migration, less work has been focused on the impact of the Great Migration on the visual arts. And so she had this idea to connect with contemporary African-American artists in this country whose families had Mm -hmm. ties to the South. And we did that. And then we, of course, selected curators of the exhibition, our chief curator, Ryan Dennis, and our partner, the Baltimore Museum of Arts curator, Jessica Bell Brown, really took it to the next level and interviewed artists, We gave each of the artists selected a $50,000 grant to Mm -hmm. do research about their family stories. And this was, of course, it fell during COVID, and so nobody could travel as much as we thought. But the Mississippi Department of Archives and History was a great partner of ours and, and welcomed these artists to their records and files, and other artists did research in different ways. But the result of that was 12 different projects by 12 different artists about their family stories. Mm. And what happened when they came together as an entire exhibition Mm. was to tell the story of a really under-understood part of American history, the impact of it the nuances of it, the complexity of it, Mm. the layers of it, um, in ways that are intimate and personal because they're about Mm. family. So, you know, there were things like uh, one artist, and, you know, you read all this, but if it's not your story, it's not kind of integrated into your being. But one artist's family migrated from Mississippi to Detroit, It didn't turn out so well there, and she really is thinking about and exploring and looking at purchasing land to move back to Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, Another artist explored the way that her family got out of unfavorable situations Mm -hmm. in Mississippi um, through the military life. Our curators were determined that this was not going to be an exhibition based in trauma. And Mm. it could have been because there was so much trauma Mm -hmm. faced by African Americans in the Jim Crow South. Mm -hmm. But the stories that we saw were stories of strength, of the ability to determine a life 
that they wanted in a place they may or may not have ever been, mm. had no connection to, just to strike out on their own, leave everything they know, and build lives for themselves and their children that would enable not only their success, but our whole country to change. Mm. I mean, one of one of my interests in it was that I feel like what if what if people hadn't had to leave Mississippi? What if all of the descendants of people who left in the Great Migration still lived here? Mm. You know, what if Diana Ross and, you know, I mean, these amazing people, this culture that has shaped the country, much of it came from people mm. who either left or the children or grandchildren of people who left the South. Um, but in a way, it also connects us to those different regions. And you know that we had we had virtual storytelling components where people were mapping their stories. Um, and the exhibition itself is going to places where the people who left the South went to, Baltimore, the Brooklyn Museum, Los Angeles, Chicago. And so we're really excited about kind of reforging connections uh, between us and artists between us and community members, between us and other cultural institutions, to understand the American story and mm -hmm. its rootedness in Mississippi's story. I mean, how beautiful this picture of really expanding our community beyond us, I just, through art, which is just incredible. Um, how, and this is a big question, I know, but how do you even begin, for those for those of us who might not know the process, how do you even begin to start curating and choosing artists for a show, for well, any show? <laughs> right, you know? yeah. And, you know, I'm not a curator, so it's why having great curators mm -hmm. working around me is so important to me. So, you know, Ryan came to us from, in the middle of the pandemic, from Project Row Houses in Houston, Texas, mm -hmm. which is a community-based, multidisciplinary organization that has transformed a ward in, in Texas. So she was used to, she knows, she has relationships with many of these artists. She knows their stories. She knows their family stories. And the same is true with Jessica Bell Brown mm -hmm. in Baltimore. So it really was their knowledge and expertise and research that um, led them to these particular artists. You know, some are very well known, mm -hmm. the Astor Gates, Carrie Mae Weems, Mark Bradford. Some, one artist is 26 years old, Akia mm -hmm. Brion, whose family was from Columbus, Mississippi. And, you know, she's blowing up. So mm -hmm. we wanted, we were intentional about having some emerging artist and some seasoned artist so they could form a community of artists to mm -hmm. learn from each other. I love that it was such a, you know, varied group of such well-known artists and then people who are, who it's really kicking off their career. That's just amazing. Um, and I think, you know, it's just always encouraging to hear when artists are being, are able to be given time and space and resources, funds to really dig into the work, which really made such a just deep, beautiful exhibit. Um, will you tell us a little bit about the different types of works that were seen? Because it was, there were so many different forms of medium that were used in right. this exhibition. 
Right. It's really interesting. So there were some very large-scale works, and I think the budget allowed for artists to push mm. themselves, um, that are figurative works. Uh, Robert Pruitt's work of um, his kind of ancestors and community of people uh, was it's, it's just a drawing, even, um, but an incredible work. And um, Zoe Charlton's drawing on paper of um, um, the military person mm-hmm. in her family, but it devolves kind of into a landscape. So there were things that people recognize as figurative drawings, landscapes. Then there were three um, films. One was a multi-channel film of a person's home place in Florida that was breathtaking. Carrie Mae Weems did photographs of uh, the North Star and also a film, um, a holographic-type film called A Pepper's Ghost. And then there was photography. The Astrogapes created a huge sculpture that was uh, uh, a trailer that Mm -hmm. he remembered from growing up in Humphreys County, Mississippi, and and pickled elements that were for (laughs) sale in that, along with film and music. So there were, you know, it really did kind of run the gamut. Uh, Sculpture. Mm. There were abstract sculptures that were installed in the galleries. We just kind of left it to the artist, and they guided the curators Mm. through their visions. It really did feel, as you were walking into it, like you were surrounded by it in a very three-dimensional way. I mean, you know, you could walk into that trailer you were talking about. Yeah. And and the films were, you know, screened in such a way that you were kind of in, they were big and they were in a dark room and it, it was all around you. Um, so it really was like you were in this, living in this journey with it. And I, um, I'm curious to hear about, were there any, you know, revelations or conversations that stick out to you, whether it was from people who saw the exhibit or people who, you know, created for it or for your staff or you? (laughs) You know, I think um, Carrie Mae Weems is such a powerful Mm. person and has such a powerful voice But I do remember her speaking at the symposium we had during opening weekend about this search for her grandfather, Frank Weems, who who was attacked by a white mob in the Mississippi-Arkansas Delta and survived and got to Chicago, but nobody knew he had survived until his photo surfaced in a newspaper decades later. And to hear her talk about how living in his journey and that life, I mean, she does such a beautiful job of talking about how he's lying there, he's been beaten up, and he has to decide how to get up and move Mm -hmm. and which direction Mm -hmm. to go in. And to think about all of that, those choices that most of us have never had to make. And she connected it so much to the American justice system and what has 
not occurred in terms of holding people accountable. And um, I've been traveling in Germany a lot and thinking about crimes against humanity, and she used that term Mm -hmm. to talk about it. So, you know, I think it's not only kind of a an intimate experience of getting to know one's family better through this research, but to seeing that one's family is or can be a connection to a pathway to justice in today's world mm-hmm. for more people that really makes one understand the power of art. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I we are running out of time, but I love that we're going to wrap it up talking about the power of art because that's just the perfect ending to to this wonderful conversation. But I do want to leave people with, you know, how they can find out about what's going on at the Mississippi Museum of Art. Sure. Well, we're right in downtown Jackson, we have a beautiful art garden in front of our uh, facility. But you can find us on the web at www.msmuseumart.org or call us at 601-960-1515. And I hope if you've never been to the Mississippi Museum of Art, I hope you all go and check it out because it is beautiful and thought provoking and just, you know, all of all of the wonderful things. Betsy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Leslie. And congratulations again on your Governor's Arts Award. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together.